You're not the boss of me now, and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malk in the Middle podcast, where we watch and talk about every episode one by one in chronological order. Today, we're talking about Monkey, which originally aired May 12th, 2002, was directed by Ken Quapis, written by Dan Kobelman. Hi, I'm Jake, and my monkey butler is trying to kill me! And I'm David, and I'm a real hero. And I'm Eric, and damn my inability to see in the dark. Uh, I feel like that actually should have been Jake's, because it's just so true. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, well, welcome back to the show, Eric. Thank you for having me. I've been really looking forward to this, this and the next one. Uh, I've been super excited to, to come on and talk about. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys. Well, has been. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Is a friendship going to end this episode? Look. David's a little mad at me. <laughs> it's not that I'm mad at you. It's that I'm disappointed. That's almost oh. worse. <laughs> look, it, yeah. Well, look, I'm a dad. I can say stuff like that. <laughs> No, look, all right, first of all, I guess we just are going to hop right into this part of it. Apparently. Apparently. Look, this is what's going to happen, all right, audience? Here's the thing. Issue that I take umbrage with, number one, okay? I found out, like, two days ago that Eric was coming back on the show for a couple episodes. So, like, that's mm, correct. Fun. Okay, it was Super like a... Super lie. No, it was not that long ago. It was the start of this week. No, we talked about it when we were on Eric's podcast last time. We've talked about it during stream with Eric multiple times over the last couple of weeks. No. Yes. No. Yes. You may you no. may have forgotten consistently, <laughs> but you've definitely been told about this one multiple times. There was that one I, time where Eric came on where I didn't tell you until like right before. It's not that case this time. No, I knew he was coming on for Zoo. I didn't know he was coming on for Monkey. Okay. All right. So, lies upon lies. Your no, house of cards is coming not. down, my friend. <laughs> Listen here, Linda. Umbridge right, canceled. Umbridge oh, no, canceled. no, 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 no. You can't cancel this, all right? Second second thing, you purposely took a shot with Jackson Pollock <laughs> in did. your podcast yeah. where you thought I couldn't respond. Guess what? That's fair. I'm responding now. <laughs> I knew this was coming. I, I, I knew that bill was coming due for sure. Uh, I can't I can't believe you. And And... While introducing new seasons, did, sir. Did I or did I not say that this is going to trigger David and I'm going to get grief for it? I did you, say You that. did. <laughs> you did. And I'm making you an honest man. Yeah. It's rude. Okay. And third, I, I have others, but I, honestly, I couldn't remember them after listening to both episodes. Uh, I, I should have taken notes while I was listening to your uh, <laughs> Chooser's Choice or whatever it was called uh -huh. uh, episode, which is really good, guys. You should go listen to File Under Entertainment. But, God damn it, those movies and your guys' assessment of some things <laughs> made me mad. But the third one <laughs> that, I, that I remember is uh, why'd I have to wait until Twitter and everybody else found out that you were going on all these shows, sir? What do you mean? You know how... Do you know how far backed up I am now trying to catch up and get to the episodes of these things that you were on? Because I cannot listen to things out of order. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that you that you love me so much and the, the respect is mutual that you want to go out and seek these other things that I'm on. I do appreciate that <sighs> very much. I do, but man, is it a backlog of shit. Uh, are, are you done? 
for now. <laughs> Have the grievances been aired? <laughs> Those are the main ones. Wait, is this Festivus for the rest of us? Apparently. All right, cool. Yeah, they've been aired. Now we do some weird thing. Look, I don't remember Seinfeld. I, I thought it was weird when you showed up uh, from work today with an aluminum pole, but that <laughs> yeah, well, all makes yeah. sense. <laughs> I mean, the fans oh. must hate it when I come on because it's like always like a good 10 minutes of just bullshit at the beginning of us just like bantering back and forth before we actually get into the episode proper. So. Oh, I, I always just assume Jake cuts all this. 80%. <laughs> I, I usually truncated a bit. Okay. Okay. That's fair. But also, did you not listen to that episode where we spent like 10 minutes talking about Santa Claus being a vampire before we got to the community <laughs> segment, Eric? I did, and that was, that was incredible. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, David mentioned it, but why don't you uh, tell people where you can be found, Eric? Yeah. A uh, file under entertainment podcast with Dylan and Eric. Uh, I'm sure everyone that's listened to the show thus far has heard me talk about it before, but we just wrapped up the first season uh, discussing movies from an alphabetical approach. We're going to be doing the same thing with music in the second season. We're also going to be doing a music interview podcast. It's pretty heavily inspired by your guys' other show, Something Else, that you do on stream uh, every Monday night, uh, where you guys talk to uh, other streamers and whatnot. We're going to be doing the same thing with musicians. And maybe nice. branch out somewhere along the line into other content creators and, and whatnot to have a discussion about their art and creativity and whatnot. And we're still going to be doing some movie-related stuff also. So, yeah, go check it out. File and Entertainment. You guys are really taking a big bite out of stuff with this with second season. It's man. ambitious, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, we are. I like it. We're, we're rolling the dice there and taking a gamble. But, yeah, we got a lot of uh, ideas, and we just said, hey, shit, let's just do them all at once. Why not? I like it. Look, as a person who does stuff every single night of the week, <laughs> like, I'm, yeah, like, I, I make some form of content every night of the week, so. Yeah. I don't know how to not do things. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm, I'm looking forward to your guys' uh, season two content. It sounds interesting. Thank you. And congratulations on a first season down. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you guys uh, had uh, a hand in that. So anyone that uh, is not so sure about my show and just wants something to kind of dip the toe in the waters, uh, check out episode M with these guys. Uh, they were on discussing The Matrix and Mean Girls as well as uh, Memento and Moulin Rouge. And then you guys were also on our Chaos episode where we where we learned some things about David that he, he wants to... Uh, not let learn. known. <laughs> learn is a stretch. We inferred some things about David, which may or may not yeah. be true, but yeah, yeah. No, they are true. You were real Reese's. <laughs> well, speaking of Reese, let's get to this week's community segment. Uh-huh. Uh, looking back on jury duty, we have some poll results, which for... Uh, shittiest kid for that episode, you chose Malcolm, based exclusively on him calling Reese a joke, which you had, uh, like, personal issue with, as, as you've stated. That's, like, one of those things that just rubs you wrong in particular. Whereas I chose Francis for helping to feed Pete to a bear. <laughs> <laughs> and not only did the internet agree with me with Francis getting 66% of the vote... Uh, but the remaining votes didn't even go to Malcolm, they went to Reese. No one agreed with you, David. I don't care, that's... Look, the internet is wrong literally all the time. H how dare you? <laughs> Until they agree with him, and then they've never been <laughs> wronger. <laughs> look, 
here's the thing, okay? I accept the fact that the audience doesn't understand how insulting it is to be called a joke. All right? That's and I, I get it. I get it. You know? I'm and with you on that sometimes, one. I agree. Yeah. It's no, it's a I'm, shitty I'm thing. I don't get it. I, I've been I called bet. much worse. <laughs> Have you though? <laughs> Absolutely. I can't think of anything that I've ever been called that is worse than that to me. Oh no, that's that's not true. One there's one thing. I don't like to tell that story though. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another tease. Yeah. No, yeah. Jake knows what it is. It's it's a very long story for one, and for two, it's very personal. And yeah, but That's basically fair. to boil it down, I don't like to be called a thief, and I don't like to be called a joke. I don't like liar, but I feel like it's not as bad as the other two. Yeah, the, the other two make sense to me. The, the joke thing, to, I don't know, that, that, that would just bounce on. That would not bother me in the slightest. Yeah. Pit, pig fucker doesn't bother me as much as any of those three, so. You mean bee well, fucker? Well, yeah, but that, that's... No, or bee fucker, yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, none of that, that doesn't bother me nearly as much as, as those three things. Like, well, one you know, of those is what? true, the rest of them are just ridiculous. I mean, yeah, the bee fucker part. <laughs> this is the wrong podcast, asshole. <laughs> yeah, but now that we're talking about it, that, that means, you know, the joke's been transferred, so now it's fair game. No, no, no. <laughs> You can't just port this shit over, all right? Mm-hmm. This is PlayStation. That was Nintendo Switch. Leave it the fuck alone. <laughs> no, it's been ported. <laughs> I hate you. It doesn't control quite the same, but it's there. I hate you. <laughs> I assume he's talking to both of us there. Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, the, the internet did agree with us in choosing Dewey for least shitty kid of that episode. Uh, he unanimously won, uh, and we both agreed, so... It is literally 100% agreement that Dewey was least shitty kid. Perfect. Now, with that, let's get to this week's episode, which starts with uh, a cold open of the boys sitting on the couch watching a documentary where, where the you know uh, narrator is explaining the velocity required by a rocket ship to you know, break through the Earth's atmosphere. And Reese doesn't understand this. He says that they would, you know, be crushed back if they were going that fast. It doesn't make any sense. But Malcolm explains to him the difference between velocity and acceleration. And he, you know, explains that the Earth is constantly spinning incredibly fast and it's going around the sun incredibly fast. And that's not even taking into consideration how fast the universe is moving as it's expanding. And Malcolm walks away and Reese, like, braces himself against the couch like clearly freaking out as he like tries to comprehend all of this and then dewey just sitting there smiles and says "Wee!" <laughs> <laughs> and that is it for the cold open and of course for proper plot lines we will start with the f plot as always this is an important f plot because the last of the alaska plot line yeah good yeah (laughs) that that is not a controversial opinion (laughs) yeah i i know i remember even one of the show writers was like yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, i think one season was enough at the in alaska i think they they did about everything they could with that i am still sad that spangler is gone yep and we are uh, losing a lot more f plot centered characters this episode this is the last appearances of lavernia pete uh, Artie and Eric. Sad. Yeah. I like Eric. Cadet Eric. 
Yeah, I was gonna say, I liked Cadet Air. Alaska <laughs> Hair kind of sucks. Oh, I, th- I thought that was a shot at me. I thought he was saying specifically Cadet Eric instead of, no. you know, this Eric. But no, I, no, no, see. You know, not to make it about myself. No, unlike some other people, I don't take cheap shots during the podcast, sir, about deeply personal things. I keep it professional. <laughs> but uh, the, the F-plot begins with Francis and his former bunkmates all cleaning out the uh, range hood over the stove, uh, which is absolutely disgusting. They're covered in, like, ash and grime, and Francis is talking about how disgusting it is and how it seems like this thing's never been cleaned before and sort of the standard complaining about how awful this job is. And as he's complaining and talking about uh, how long it's been since it's, you know, been cleaned, a dead animal uh, that looks like a possum or maybe like a decomposed raccoon falls out on top of them, immediately proving his point. And as he's complaining, he's cut off as Lavernia comes in from outside and tells everyone that they're fired. (laughs) Because the loggers just chops down the last tree... And then a logger comes in with, like, a very tiny tree, asking if anyone wants to take a picture with it. Yeah, it's like, it's it's very Charlie Brown-esque Christmas yeah. tree. He's so happy about it, too. Like, I mean, they're all losing their jobs, and he's got this little tiny sapling, and he's just like, hey, want to take a picture? <laughs> <laughs> he got the last tree. It's exciting stuff. That's right. Also, I feel like, you know, he's a logger, so his skills transfer. He can just move somewhere else in Alaska and continue yeah. with the vicious cycle. Yeah. Francis and his friends cannot, as Lavernia informs them that the land has uh, already been bought by a mining company and they have 24 hours to leave. And when Francis complains about the short notice, she tells him that that's the cycle of life. That's just how it works up here in Alaska. The loggers come in and cut down the trees. Then the miners come in and they mine the land, and then if they're lucky after that, it becomes a depository for nuclear waste. That's right. You gotta get rid of that dependence on foreign oil. (laughs) That's right. It's the (laughs) only way. Uh... (laughs) I feel like that was a fitting last line for Lavernia to deliver, though, for her, like, you know, diatribe against That was very in character, and I appreciated that exit. Oh, yeah. And if only they knew how well it would hold up. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a good thing we solved that uh, you know foreign oil problem we had right guys (laughs) (laughs) i actually think we get like a pretty good last line from like all of the alaska people here uh, because as they're discussing what like why they're there uh, before lavernia comes in Artie reveals that he's there because uh he's still paying off his law school debts That nice little reveal. And then after Lavernia tells them that they have to leave, Pete immediately says he's going to have to move back in with his parents. (laughs) That is great. Eligible bachelor Pete. Yeah, old Coop Pete. I think he's the the Alaska guy that I'm going to miss the most. For sure. That's fair. Uh, He is going to have to track his parents down, though, since we know that his family changed their last name so he couldn't (laughs) find them. Right. Well, I guess he could always just hitch a ride on one of those bears when it flies off, you know, from protecting its eggs that was revealed in one of the most recent episodes. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Then uh, we follow Francis as he's 
coming back home, not from that exchange, but we learned from a job interview, trying to, you know, find a new job, as he's come back, trying to get a job performing on a cruise ship, and he's complaining because the piano player didn't know cabaret, and he tells Piyama that, you know, they're, they're gonna have to move, they're gonna have to go somewhere where there's jobs, but she refuses. Uh, she desperately does not want to leave. <laughs> then the sheriff knocks on their door and says that they uh, served their eviction notice 30 days ago and it's time for them to leave. And Francis is upset because Pialma never told him that they were being evicted. Dude, I had a friend that this happened to. Yeah. I, sorry, re random story, pop it. Yeah, I had a friend. Well, I say friend, like work friend, you know. Gotcha. Uh, I ended up getting called in to cover for his shift because he had to find a new place to live with zero notice because his girlfriend did the exact same thing because the apartments they were staying at had a pool and a hot tub. So didn't just didn't tell him uh, <laughs> that she hadn't been paying the rent and that they were getting evicted. And he came he came home uh, for lunch because it's right there behind the mall where I was working. I was working at Sears at the time. And uh yeah, he, he went home for lunch and came back and told Brian, yeah, I got to take the rest of the day off and tomorrow off because I can find a place to live. Because the sheriffs were there uh, escorting them so they could get their things. This this does, in fact, happen. It is real life. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, uh, with the sheriff are also a couple Native American guys who uh, are there to give them their portion of the settlement. Uh, that they received for selling land to the mining company. They get one-fifteenth of, because that's how much of their house is uh, allegedly on <laughs> reservation land, which does not fit with what we were told before. <laughs> right, I was going to say, yeah. The glacier just shifted, that's all, Jay. <laughs> it, it stopped going, you know, the other way. It's one of those fast-moving glaciers. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, one would say, furious and fast, maybe. I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Congratulations, David. Your joke was so bad, it just stopped the podcast dead in its tracks. It's <laughs> what I was aiming for. Uh, but e even with this extra money, Piyama refuses. Uh, she says she's not going to take the money. She's going to stay right here in this house. We'll just live in the other part. You know, that's not on tribal. <laughs> I mean, apparently it is most of the house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 14 fifteenths of it. Yeah. Or one half, depending on the episode. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how racist they're being. Ah. Sad but true. Then the sheriff is, like, trying to convince Piyama that, you know, that that's not an option. They have to leave. And in the process, he, like, puts his hands on her shoulders. And Francis warns the, sh the uh, deputy, you know, don't do that. And he doesn't listen, he tells Francis, don't tell me how to do, do my job, and he, you know, reaches out again and grabs her by the shoulders, and is sort of talking down to her, and Piyama gets a big smile on her face as she grabs a coffee mug. <laughs> it just hard cuts to her getting her mug shot. <laughs> well, I like that the mug says world's greatest wife on it. It's, you know, that's a nice little extra visual joke. And it's on only on there for a fraction of a second. So it's kind of like a blink and you miss it kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, that was great. And to be fair, it, he was being incredibly condescending to her and, you know, manhandling her and, her and then gets all in her face. And he's like, listen, Missy, this is how it's going to go. Like, mm, I agree. He had something <laughs> coming to him. 
Uh, Francis warned him. <laughs> Maybe not the coffee cup you know, to uh, to the jaw like he got, but kicked in the nuts something. Look. He had something coming. This is Alaska in like 2002. It's a rough place. You never know what could happen. Sometimes you get hit with a coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's not the bears. It's not the caribou. It's not the freezing cold. It's some random crazy lady with a mug. Yeah. But uh, then we, we see them coming home from that uh, with Yama complaining about the lawyer that they had. Well, Francis is saying, no, he did a really good job. You only have to pay a $50 fee. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it costs more than that for the deputy to get his jaw wired shut. Ten times that, he says. <laughs> As someone who has played a lawyer, you know, in, in certain instances, mm -hmm. that was a really good job. I admire that work. Yeah, I don't know who this lawyer is, but uh, they seem pretty good. Yeah. But Piyama is still insisting she is not going to leave, and now Francis sort of presses her for an answer as to why. Uh, he says, you know, there's a bulldozer out there, we have to leave. Like, you, you, you can't get another lawyer to fight this, it's, it's not going to happen, you just have to accept it. And Piyama explains that she's spent her entire life on the reservation, and she's scared to go into the outside world. And she says she's not as brave as Francis is. She can't just pick up her life and go somewhere new. And Francis explains to her that he's not brave, he's just stupid and lucky. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. And he reassures Piyama that since they're together, his stupid luck will, uh... Work for her as well, and they'll be fine. Then, uh, slightly reassured by this, Piyama finally opens up the, uh, settlement, and it is more money than Francis made all last year. It's, we're, we're going to learn enough for them to buy a car for themselves and still have $2,000 left over. And we get our last little bit of them as they drive away, as they drive south. As uh, Francis puts it, which is not very reassuring, given the struggle he had getting to Alaska. <laughs> 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 Frankly, I would be questioning if it's even south at that point. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Piyama will just gently correct him, and and they'll they'll make it though. Yeah, her sense of direction has to be better than his. Well, she said she's never she's never left the reservation, so I don't know that she knows any better either. So. Yeah, but look, some people have an innate sense of direction, and then some people are Jake. Listen. <laughs> my, my sense of direction is fine. Is it? It's is it? I'm pretty sure you've told your stupid story before. You don't need to go over this again. All I'm saying is... Again, for a millionth time, I knew that we were going the wrong direction. I simply could not convince our friend Nathan that that was the case. That's been his story for like 16 years, but I found him actively walking in the wrong direction and not calling me. They had access to a phone. We, we did not. They, we did not have yeah, cell phones. You didn't have a cell phone. Nathan we, had a phone. Nope. Yeah. We, nope. That, that was part of the issue. That's how I found you guys, remember? No, you, you drove around until you found us. The reason we were walking in the first place to go into this goddamn story that I know we told before and I didn't want to cover. Then don't go into it. Is because you were the only one with a cell phone and we were waiting for you to call your mom to come and pick us all up. No, I had the vehicle. You did not. 
Okay. It was your mom who picked us up. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Fucking hate you. You're the worst. So that whole discussion we had about Xanadu when we were talking about going east to go west, that was really triggering Jake, and we never didn't get oh. into it then. Oh, yeah. I didn't I, even I, know. Oh, God. I, I That's why I kept making little, like, comments about it, because, yeah, no, Jake, Jake has terrible sense of direction. I have... I have less than average sense of direction. I will give you that. But the story that you always use as evidence is false. You try to say all of them are false. Because I also have stories from all of your family about the time that you got lost driving back home from college. And you're like, that never happened. No, no, no. That's another case if you just have the details wrong. Oh, I did get lost driving from there. From the, the... the town where I went to college, to the town in Colorado where my parents live. Oh, not not how your family tells that story at all. Now, I wasn't there for that one, so I can't confirm, but literally... Yeah. Li- literally no one was. I was alone, <laughs> and I'm still being told, no, you're wrong. I'm <laughs> well, the only no. fucking witness. <laughs> oh, but you're suspect at best, I mean. <laughs> I'm just saying is that everyone in your family says you were headed to Casper, not Colorado. <laughs> Yes, that is the Including, case. Yeah, that, but last time you said I was headed to college. No, you were headed back from college. You're headed back from college to Casper and got lost. No, I got lost going to Colorado where I had never been right. before. Jake, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Fault. You're the only one who says that it was Colorado. When I talk to your mom and like your brother and anyone else in your family, they say that you were headed back home here, Casper. So that's how that story has become. And it tracks with the stories that I know. Listen, this is all lies and slander. This is all getting out of it out. <laughs> okay, well, to wrap up the F-plot, uh, as they are driving away to their new life, they drive right past Eric, who is hitchhiking, and he is left there all alone in Alaska. And as he le- like starts to walk away the same direction that Francis and Piyama were headed... Uh, we also get the last appearance of Bernard as he rolls by Eric, having somehow made his way all the way to Alaska. That's a determined freaking hamster. Yeah, how much yeah. food is left in that ball? They can't be much. I don't know. Maybe maybe Good Samaritans are just refilling it. <clears throat> or maybe he's established like a hamster black market. <laughs> Could be. But now he's headed toward the arsenic uh, containment basin, so I don't know how well that's going to work out for him. Maybe that's where he's hiding the bodies. I mean, look, we don't know what kind of monster this hamster has become, okay? Known monster, Bernard. He could have started (laughs) the entire hamster mafia. You never know. Maybe maybe all of those, like, weird gerbils that were in the Kia commercials work for him. I don't know. (laughs) It's fair. That's a deep cut. I don't know that any of uh, the international (laughs) listeners are going to understand that reference, but they can probably look it up. Just Google <laughs> gerbil Kia commercial. Yeah. It'll pop up. And, they were awful. And it will haunt your nightmares forever. Correct. Especially if you get the breakdancing one. Yeah, that was the worst. Yes. Can confirm. Are you guys familiar with the hitchhiking robot? No. No. That was a thing that they did. It was like a social experiment. They, they made like a robot that just like could have like pre-recorded like lines. And the, the goal was like see if this robot could like hitchhike across the country. It started in Canada. That could not end well. It made it all the way across Canada and back with absolutely no issue. Then they tried to do it in the United States, 
<laughs> it made it. I can't. It's either Philadelphia or Boston. I don't remember which. Uh, bef- what, like one block within this city? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, no, I think it started in like New York. It started somewhere on the East Coast and like made it to Philadelphia or Boston. It was like initially going successfully, and then it made it to one of those towns. <laughs> okay. I can't remember which off the top of my head, and literally got dismembered and destroyed. <laughs> my guess is Philly, because as much as I love that city personally, they don't track well for like uh, uh, outsiders. I mean, they even. Uh, got pissed off at Santa. Although, if Santa truly is a vampire, like you guys have uh, <laughs> prophesied, then maybe they were onto something. Maybe Santa's not such a good guy, and he did deserve snowballs thrown at him. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Philly, you're off the hook. And you know, maybe mm. they they saw something about that hitchhiking uh, robot that they were like, I don't like this guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, creepy dude in the middle of nowhere hitchhiking. Like, I get it. Like, that's serial killer material right there. <laughs> Well, yeah, so isn't uh, Francis going to run into the same thing when he drives back? Because wasn't there a serial killer in, like, Utah or something that looked exactly like him that kind of sidetracked him for a couple days? So isn't he going to run into the exact same thing on the way home? I don't like know. It could be an issue. Maybe that's another plot point that never made it into the show. Could be. Or maybe <laughs> it is what happened, and I'm just trying to throw David off the scent. I don't know. Could be. Yeah, because, like, I pay attention. Uh, <laughs> look, I take it one episode at a time at this point. I'm about to fail at the end of this episode, so. Well, I mean, it'll be next episode, but you get what I mean. Well, from there, let's go to the A plot. Uh, it sort of centers around the Wilkerson household in general. And it begins with Lois and Hal in bed asleep. When Lois is woken up by a sound, and she thinks that someone's breaking in, and she is immediately proven right as someone is climbing in through their window, and she wakes Hal up, who is, like, you know, uh, freaking out, having just been woken up, and then he, like, can't get out of the bed, but Reese comes in pretty quickly with a baseball bat and knocks the would-be burglar out. Dude, in one I, swing. I totally get this. I keep telling my wife that I hate tuck sheets like that for this exact reason. This is horse shit. <laughs> now, I'm, it's not as bad as Hal, but Jesus. Okay? I get it. I get it. All right? That's all I'm saying. I may or may not have almost face planted a couple times because one of my feet gets stuck in the fucking corner because it's tucked in like it, someone's going to try to climb in. I I think it's because I know when she was a teenager, she watched The Grudge and that scene where she's like coming up underneath, mm. like freaked her out. And ever since then, oh my God, you got to tuck the sheet. No, you don't. Make it, it so works tight fine. that uh, no hands can come up from underneath, right? I know that. that oh, literally, yes. Oh my God. <laughs> I hate it. I feel so bad for Hal here. Oh. Also, I'm pretty sure I've told the story about the time that a drunk dude climbed into my or tried to climb into my window in the trailer that I lived in. So I get this is all I'm saying. All right. Like, I appreciate Hal and and good on Reese. Good job for Reese. Uh, yeah. Then we go to uh, once the police have arrived where Dewey is, is like holding Malcolm's arm and asking what would have happened if Reese didn't knock the guy out. 
And Malcolm says he would have seen our TV in stereo and no known he made a terrible mistake. <laughs> Sometimes you're just too poor to get robbed, Jake. Yeah, look, it's worked for me my whole life. Yeah, it's true. You haven't hit the point where someone breaks in and then comes back with furniture for you yet, though. <laughs> That's true. Someday. Yeah. Goals. That's how we get you a proper computer desk. <laughs> someone breaks <laughs> in and sees that I'm using, like, a TV stand as my setup and... Like, oh, man, I feel bad for this guy. That's right. <laughs> uh, Hal, meanwhile, is explaining to one of the cops why he didn't do anything, because he was trapped in the bed. And uh, the cop is just sort of staring at him, like, blankly, clearly not understanding Hal's uh, you know, very legitimate reason for not being able to get up. <laughs> well, I thought he's explaining it. And Lois is sitting there, like, looking at the cop, shaking her head, like, no, this is all lies. Like, as if there's going to be any repercussions. It's like, you know, like, taken out on them. Uh, they're going to be hauled off to jail because she tucks the, the, <laughs> the sheets in too tight, you know. She's like, no, no. I just love that. Like, another little, you know, slight visual gag. Uh-huh. Then Reese is talking to the other cop who says, that, you know, he wishes there was more kids like him out there. And he did a great job. And then he says, you look kind of familiar. Have you ever done a ride-along program with us? <laughs> and Priest <laughs> says, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> He's ridden in those cars a couple times. <laughs> he sure has. And it goes back to Hal, who is still trying to convince this cop that, you know, that the reason he couldn't do anything was these sheets, and he's offering to show him. <laughs> and the, the cop just says... Sir, you don't talk at an officer of the law. <laughs> then we see them coming back from a award ceremony as Reese has been given a commendation by the local police uh, for his bravery. And they also got a, a tour of the station. And Malcolm tells Dewey that, you know, now that they've seen that uh, the, the police station has, you know, all of these cops and the... Uh, cells uh, have these bars that they can't get through, and it's too big to be lifted by a helicopter and taken to a secret lair. Doesn't he say something about the ocean there? Yeah, secret lair under the sea. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay, okay. And Mal Malcolm is, you know, reassuring him that it's perfectly safe and he can go to sleep. As Dewey has been keeping him awake as well through his refusal to sleep. But Reese immediately ruins these reassurances. So he goes over to Dewey and says, Actually, with our legal system, he's probably already back out on the streets. And uh, Dewey immediately looks horrified once again. Then Reese talks to Hal and Lois about you know, how good it felt for the, you know, those cops to be you know, telling him how great he was and complimenting him instead of arresting him. And he ta talks about how, you know, it felt really good to be a hero. He, he thinks he's found what he wants to do with his life. He wants to be a pig. <laughs> then, after that little reveal, we go back to Dewey and Malcolm as uh, they're laying in bed, and Dewey is still refusing to sleep, and he asks Malcolm to read a story to him, but Malcolm says that they've already gone through all of the books in the house. He's read all of them to Dewey already. But Dewey insists, so Malcolm starts reading him the dictionary, starting with the definition of aardvark, of course. Then 
we uh, get a little, like, time skip as Malcolm is in the M's, and Dewey finally falls asleep, so Malcolm turns the light off, which immediately causes Dewey to wake up screaming, and Malcolm tries to tell him it was just me turning the light off, calm down, but Hal, hearing the scream, barges into their room with a golf club, <laughs> and just smashes a bunch of stuff that was on their furniture, wildly swinging it around, before realizing that there is no other break-in, and he sort of looks around, and he looks at the boys and says, oh, sorry, go back to sleep, and leaves <laughs> the room. And of course now Dewey is back to being wide awake and refusing to sleep, so Malcolm turns the light back on and resumes reading the dictionary to him. That was really good acting there by Eric Sullivan, just like the, the trembling and, you know, you could just see the visualization of him just uh, being scared out of his gourd. That was pretty great. Yeah, no, it was it was really good. I also love the just random swinging of the golf club. <laughs> yeah. uh, it reminds me of Jake at night. See, that's fair. That's true. Then we see Reese in his new role as the, the self-appointed officer of the law for their neighborhood. <laughs> as he's just walking around with his baseball bat, he walks up to a couple kids who are playing well, like on the uh, curb, and he tells them uh, that, you know, that they need to keep it quiet. This is a nice neighborhood. He'd like it to stay that way. But as he's walking away from those kids, some other kids are skateboarding by, and he yells at them for not wearing helmets, which isn't safe. And when one of them, like, talks back to him, he proves that it's not safe by throwing his baseball bat, uh, hitting his skateboard, and knocking the skid to the ground. He's on a mission from God. <laughs> the hard lessons are the ones that stick with you, right? So, I mean, pain is going to forever cement in that kid's memory banks. Wear a helmet That's right. No... Known child tripper Eric. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> then we see sort of Hal's like arc here as he is uh, laying in bed, you know, clearly still thinking about, about how, you know, he couldn't stop this burglar. And he gets up out of bed and he goes to the bad part of town and he like, goes over to the ATM while loudly talking about his Rolex watch, and he says, uh, since he doesn't know what time it is, he'll just take out the maximum amount. <laughs> and then as he's, like, walking away past a guy, he's, uh, talking about not being able to remember where he parked his Bentley. Darn, my inability to see at night. <laughs> Clearly trying to get this guy to attempt to mug him. And we, we see that he, he has, like, a, a weapon hidden up his sleeve, just waiting for his moment. But the guy, like, walks over to Hallie, like, stops him, and he says, uh, Your money's heading out of your pocket. You should really tuck that in. This is a bad neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> and Hal, uh, like, awkwardly walks away as... The, the, like, uh, metal bar he had up his sleeve, like, falls to the ground with a loud clang. <laughs> then, back at the neighborhood, the neighborhood kids are playing kickball, but they're doing it, like, very slowly and quietly. Uh, they're, they're like, tiptoeing, and whenever they talk, they're whispering, even when they're arguing about whether, you know, they, they were safe or not. 
And we see the reason why is Reese is once again there with his bat watching over everything. That kid was safe by a mile, by the way, too. Like, I don't know how that was even a debate. I, I, no, he, <laughs> I he, watched that he, he multiple was out. Times. What are you talking about? He was out. <laughs> I could tell. Fair enough. That's how you Terrible have a debate. Terrible Eric. <laughs> but they were playing safe. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm siding with Reese on this particular incident. Oh, of course you are. Law and order, Jacob. <laughs> then one of the neighbors comes out and finds that his uh, trash bin, like like an old school like metal uh, trash bin, has been like dented up. And Reese tells him, you know, it's a shame that that happened, but maybe if he'd bring it in from the curb on time, th this sort of thing could be avoided. It's called natural consequences, Jake. Then we go back to Malcolm who has been kept up by Dewey for several days now, and he is, uh, you know, clearly experiencing sleep deprivation, and he's sitting there doing his homework initially, then he gets up to make us a, a peanut butter sandwich, but he ends up putting the peanut butter, like, on the pages of his book instead of the bread, <laughs> and then he, like, takes the bread and puts it back in the cupboard where he got the peanut butter, and takes his now peanut butter-covered book, Back to the kitchen table. And then he no. takes the bread back to the table and starts highlighting the and bread as the, if it was the book. Yeah, and puts the book up where the peanut butter... I was going to say, the minute you said that, I was like, wait, that's 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 wrong. I, I said that backwards. You are correct. Yeah. Like, I'm also sleep-deprived, but... I was just going like, to make the, wrong. the joke about Jake being sleep-deprived, and that's like... <laughs> and the first 96 hours was the worst, but now it's found his groove. <laughs> I... I've never stayed up that long, but 36 is hard enough, so... Yep. 54 was my record uh, when I was in the military, and that was quite difficult. You start seeing shit. <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's yes. Pretty, it's pretty bad. Dude, after 36 hours, I don't remember driving home, like, oh, yeah. which is dangerous enough. Yeah, I, I won't do more than that, yeah. So I've done close to 48 hours is the longest I've ever... And it is not good. Do not recommend. Nope. nope. I do 24 hours every year. Yeah, I me too. What a coincidence. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> but then, after that little aside with Malcolm, we go back to Hal, continuing to try to put himself into uh, dangerous situations, and he cuts someone off in a parking lot, and the guy, like, rolls down his window and starts yelling at Hal, and Hal, of course, starts yelling back, picking a fight... Then the guy, you know, is very willing to fight him, and he says, just give me 30 seconds and I'll kick your ass. Then he opens the side door of his van, which reveals a wheelchair, and Hal realizes the spot that he got this guy off for is the handicapped spot. And as, as this guy, like, gets into his wheelchair, Hal is now trying to back out of the fight. <laughs> And he apologizes and gets back in his own car. And as he, like, starts to back out of the spot, the, the guy is yelling, calling him a sissy, and keys his car. Yeah. Also, what a, what a chicken, Hal. Come on. No one's tucked in now! <laughs> <laughs> then we get, like, the conclusion of Reese's plotline as Lois comes home from the grocery store and... Uh, she parks uh, with, like, the edge of her van, like, out uh, in the sidewalk. And seeing this, Reese tells her that that's not allowed. She needs to pull all the way in. 
And of course, Lois is not uh, giving him, you know, anything. She, she, she says she'll park where she wants and she just tells him to grab some groceries. And uh, she, uh, she starts to walk away, ignoring Reese's uh, continued uh, you know, calls for her to uh, obey him. Then he says, it would be a shame if something happens to your car. It would be. Looks back as he, you know, pulls the bat back and then we just hear a crashing sound. As, as you know, he clearly just smashes the side of their van. <laughs> I appreciate the dedication. <laughs> no one is above the law. Cuts to Reese in the top of a tree, which <laughs> Lois is climbing. Well, both neighbors and police officers are, like, gathered around the bottom of the tree, and Reese is calling out for help. <laughs> He's an officer in need of assistance. <laughs> then the rest, we will wrap up with the other plot line as they kind of come together in the end. I'm just going to pause to say real fast, I can see how many pages of notes you have, Eric. Good God. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, I basically go through the entire dissertation. I, I basically do what Jake does and write out the entire like narrative along with all my notes. Just just because I so I can follow along. And then if yeah, okay. and then if Jake uh you know misses something, I can call him on it. I, I figure no, you see, I just do would that appreciate by memory. That. <laughs> I I do. I appreciate the, the pointing out when Jake misses things or gets them wrong, but I, I can't be asked to make that much notes. Look, I get two pages at most. That's it. How many pages do you have, Eric? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Too many is the answer, Jake. Uh, seven and a half. <laughs> oh my god. I have four. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a little anal. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry, I wouldn't have said anything, but I'm watching you turn pages as we continue on, and I'm going, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I have two pages. Actually, I don't even mm. think, no, it, it all fits on one page for this episode. I like, like to come right. prepared. Is yours double space or single space? So we might actually have about the same. Mine is single space. Uh, It's single space, but I have, okay. I have it broken out by scene, so then I'll have, you know, like a double space in between those, so. Gotcha. That's too much. That's yeah. That, that that is more than me. I I like to be prepared. I'm a, a gracious guest on your show, so I like to know what I'm talking about. I just want to put it out there for anyone else who wants to guest. We don't expect that. <laughs> you can show up with no notes, right? Yeah. Well, what was the episode again? You could watch the wrong episode, aka movie. You know, it happens. Oh, that is fair. <laughs> Uh, he's referring to the uh, the episode with the of our show, File and Entertainment, with Paranerds that we had guesting, and uh, one of our guests, uh, Jesse, watched the wrong SpongeBob movie, and so that was a, a lot of fun. We had to fill her in on what actually happened in the movie she was supposed to have watched. <laughs> so uh, it was great because I've never seen the movie, and I feel like I have now. So uh, save, yeah. time saver for exactly. me. Exactly, you don't need to. Okay, so let's go to the last plot line which I have labeled the C-plot, the Craig plotline. And that would be correct. Yep. Jake is getting better at this naming convention. I mean, it's only taken three seasons, <laughs> but, like, I mean, he's getting better to, at it. To be fair, I initially had it labeled as the A-plot because, you know, the, the construct is that, you know, like you'd said mm -hmm. about the whole Buffy thing, the, 
The mm-hmm. title of the show is labeled after the main plot, but then I quickly changed it to the C. Because that's, that's, that's the right one. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I also had this as the A plot and then had to be very annoyed as I changed it to the C <laughs> plot because I knew you would both complain if I didn't. A. <laughs> I like that energy. You're learning. Learning, giving up on this pointless fight, you know. <laughs> like a monkey, he can be trained. And like a monkey, I will stab you. <laughs> <laughs> you can try I just need to wait till your arms and legs are broken that's alright I have a friend who will put you in a dumpster <laughs> this sounds very violent oh for God. anyone who's never seen this episode <laughs> someone's gonna send a wellness check for Jake like make sure he's okay that's right <laughs> well uh, this plot line begins with Lois bringing Craig some food as he is in a wheelchair with his arms and legs broken. He has to use a little, like, rod connected to a headband for everything. As he just, like, uses his head to, to like, push stuff, like, the, the lights and stuff like that. And, like, dial the phone and... It's just, It's... It's such a bad system. There are better, more efficient ways to do this. You know how many sticks he had to use trying to figure out how to use the bathroom? Oh, my God. <laughs> one, I don't even want to think of that. one of the greatest lines uh, in the history uh, of the show, I think. I Look, <laughs> well, I can't tell that story. Uh, Damn it. That, you're, you're full of teases today, David. What the hell? I'm sorry. It's legal reasons. I can't tell that story. But the minute he said that, I went, Ugh. I don't even want to think about it. Like, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, but Craig is uh, sort of questioning Lois, making sure that uh, you know, she, she got his order exactly right, including he wants to know uh, which restaurant she got her condiment packets for him from. And Lois is asking uh, why he doesn't have his nurse yet, as the insurance is supposed to pay for him to have a nurse. And... Craig sort sort of turns this back on her and, you know, says, uh, sorry, such a bother after uh, I, I was uh, run into traffic by your son's dog. <laughs> uh, which is, of course, a callback to Dewey's dog. Last time we saw Craig, he was being pursued by Marshmallow. <laughs> Shouldn't have run. Which is, I think, part <laughs> of why people didn't side with David on uh, somehow calling Dewey the get of that episode. Shouldn't have run. Come on. Like, look. Basic, look, it's basic wilderness survival. If you have an animal that you believe is a vicious predator in front of you, you don't run. Because guess what? Predators hunt and they chase prey. If you run, you just make yourself look that much more like prey. That's right. Boom. You're not wrong. I know I'm not wrong. But you're not right either. (laughs) In the larger context. I take my win here, all right? With an asterisk. Yeah, they, they always are. <laughs> no, when you're right, you're right. And and do we need to bring back the uh, old audience accusations that you cheat on David's guessing game? We haven't talked that, about that in a while. That's that's one audience. He's here. No, no, right. it, was, it was multiple people. Was it? Because yeah. I only ever saw that one. I find it very odd that you nailed the, that it was going to be a cappuccino monkey. Yeah, I mean, that was, yeah. yeah. How is that hard to guess? <laughs> How is that hard? Uh, I don't know. I've and then watched, you also were saying something about movies throwing from plates and whatnot. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's a little sus. Mm-hmm. How? I've been to the zoo. Jesus. No, zoo for the next episode. I fucking hate it. Anyways, moving, pa- moving past that. 
for five seconds. I want to. I want to just throw things at both of you right now. <laughs> I'm so sleep deprived. I forgot where I was going with this, but no. Okay, no. Oh yeah, Eric. Thanks. By the way, next episode, I fucking have to have the stupid plot line <laughs> thing that you suggested. Come on, who can be asked for that? Okay, that's some bullshit. It's 22 episodes of fucking. Mm. <laughs> Bullshit. Well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it seems reasonable to me. Yeah. Oh, Perfectly yeah? yeah? I'm going to quiz you in the future, Jake, on every show you've never seen and see how well you do. I'll nail it. Super easy. But back to the episode. Craig re- reveals to Lois that he has a money-saving plan in mind. Instead of getting a nurse, he has gotten himself a helper monkey. Named Oliver. Their nature is butler, Jake. That's right. (laughs) And he explains these monkeys are trained to take care of the permanently disabled. And Lois says, but you're not permanently disabled. And Craig says, well, for the next six weeks, uh, he doesn't know that. (laughs) And uh, when we come back to them, Craig is talking to Lois while Oliver, like, stands by uh, having served them tea. Uh, and Craig is explaining a Threes Company plot line to them uh, that ends with him saying that uh, Larry should have gotten a spinoff instead of the Ropers, uh, which is correct. Uh, That's fair, yeah. And Lois is, like, the entire time looking uncomfortably at Oliver and not, and not drinking her tea, and Craig notices this and... Uh, assumes that the reason she's not drinking this tea is because it wasn't made properly, so he tells Oliver that she takes her tea with sugar, and Oliver drops a sugar cube into her tea for her. But Lois is clearly too weirded out by the monkey, and she tells Craig he needs to get a real nurse, and she leaves. Uh, I think you're glossing over a very important part there, I think. I think the not only the one lump being dropped into her tea by Oliver that weirded her out, but then Craig asks for a temple massage, which Oliver then climbs up and starts rubbing his temples, and he's like, "Oh, it's like a furry little geisha," and that's what uh, I seals the deal for Lois to say she's got to go. Yes, that, that that is fair. That that is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Then Oliver makes Craig a lasagna. And initially, Craig is very happy about this. He says that it smells great. Then Oliver starts feeding him, and it's it's too hot for him. And when Craig tries to say this and get Oliver to stop feeding him, Oliver doesn't stop. He he just keeps force-feeding him this hot lasagna, burning his mouth more and more. And when Craig asks him for a drink to help, Oliver, like, pushes the drink closer as though he's going to give it to him, but then at the last second, like, swaps it out and shoves more lasagna in his mouth. Oh, it's so funny, dude. I love, I love that scene so much. Then, when we come back again, Craig is watching figure skating on the TV, and he's complaining to Oliver about how long it's taking to make his milkshake. He, he says, if it's warm, then you drink it, because I won't. And then, of course, he changes his mind and says, actually, I will drink it. <laughs> <laughs> and when he goes to the kitchen to see what's taking so long, uh, he sees that Oliver has, in fact, made the milkshake. 
but sitting with all of the milkshake ingredients is some drain cleaner. And Craig now believing that Oliver is trying to kill him, you know, initially says that he he doesn't want the milkshake after all, but Oliver like scoots it closer to him and uh, makes a threatening gesture, like a has a threatening expression as he looks at Craig. So fearful for his life, Craig pretends to drink the milkshake while sobbing. That's it's so crazy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, man. Craig recognizes when he's in over his head. (laughs) (laughs) Rarely, but occasionally. Then Lois comes back, bringing Craig's mail in for him, and she complains about how hot the apartment is, and Craig (laughs) believes that this is part of Oliver's plot to kill him. First he tried to poison him, now he's trying to burn him out. (laughs) Just that, that visualization of Oliver sitting on his shoulder as... Craig sits in his chair, just drenched in sweat. Oh, it's uh, so priceless. Yes, and Oliver, like, scurries away to the kitchen, and Lois is once again telling Craig that he's crazy. You know, the issue is that he has a (laughs) a wild animal running his house for him. It's not trying to kill him, and he just needs to get a new nurse. She says he's getting a a real nurse tomorrow, and Craig is like, you know, frantically trying to explain to her, you know, everything that's happened until Oliver, like, peeks out from the cupboards in the kitchen, like, over Lois's shoulder, staring at him. And then Craig, like, very quickly tries to di- divert the conversation. He doesn't want it revealed that he knows Oliver is trying to kill him. Uh, but he is unable to convince Lois of this theory. Then, <laughs> Craig is pretending to sleep as he's, like, trying to avoid Oliver. And Oliver is watching him sleep uh, with, like, a pillow held out like he's going to suffocate Craig. (laughs) Which, uh... I don't know what you're talking about. I think he was just trying to make him more comfortable. (laughs) He's just fluffing it up for him. (laughs) Yeah! You guys are just being paranoid. You guys don't use face pillows? I mean, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, everyone knows you use a face pillow when you sleep. Yeah. You should have about nine pillows, and at least one of them is for your face. Pressed very tightly up against it to go along with the, the tightly tucked in sheets, you know? You pull it nice and taut across your face. Yeah, yeah you, you actually tuck that in as well. <laughs> I sleep like that every night, don't you? Yeah, of course. But when Craig sees his chance as Oliver leaves him alone, he goes for the phone, and he dials 911 using his little head stick contraption. (laughs) And he tries to tell them that his uh, monkey butler is trying to kill him. But before he can get his emergency fully across, Oliver hangs the phone up. That scene, that tiny little, you know, monkey arm and monkey finger that comes out and just pushes down the button on the receiver. That is so classic. Oh, such a great visualization there. It is good. It, it, it's fantastic. Then Hal comes over and he finds Craig uh, on the ground while his wheelchair is like in the background just running in circles. And Hal, uh, of course, rushes in and tries to help him. And Craig is like trying to warn him while he does. But, but Hal is, you know, confused about the situation and doesn't know what's going on. 
which allows Oliver to sneak up behind Hal and hit him in the head with a frying pan, <laughs> knocking him down. Then uh, Hal well, like crawls away and hides behind the furniture as Oliver is throwing dishes at both of them. Uh, and he tries to pull Craig behind cover as well, but very quickly gives up on that. <laughs> as Craig is heavy and he's getting pelted with stuff while he does. But Hal d decides to fight back, so he breaks Craig's little curio cabinet open and starts throwing things back at Oliver, which causes Oliver to, like, retreat into the cupboards. And Hal goes after him, but when he opens the uh, cupboard that Oliver went into, he finds that Oliver has moved. And he gets some, uh, like, it looks like flour or something, like, thrown in his eyes when he opens the other cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> and he, once again, like, gets knocked to the ground and gets a toaster oven pushed onto his head. <laughs> and while Hal is, like, temporarily knocked out, Oliver grabs a kitchen knife and goes for Craig, holding the, the, the knife menacingly as he approaches... And Craig says he always knew this is how it was going to end for him. <laughs> I always envisioned something like this. <laughs> but at the last second, Hal comes in with a trash can and puts it over Oliver, capturing him and saving Craig. Then the last little bit, which wraps the whole episode up, is Hal back at home, uh, sitting with Dewey, who's laying in bed. And Hal is reading the newspaper article about himself, about uh, how he's a local hero who saved a disabled man. It's a real hero. <laughs> That's right. And then uh, as Dewey like, like immediately falls asleep, Malcolm turns to camera and says, the, the one positive thing about him not being able to sleep all this time is he's only 11 hours away from the world record. So at least one good thing's gonna come out of this. And then he immediately drifts off. <laughs> and the episode ends with Hal sitting there with them both asleep, reading the, the rest of his news clipping about how capuchin monkeys can get up to nine pounds. <laughs> and, the, and the victim, Craig Feldspar, called him a real hero. And that wraps the episode up. So let's go to our award. Awards. And as always, we will let you go first on these as our guest, Eric. So what did you have for your Roller Skating Keen Award? Your award for the best visual moment. <laughs> the exchange between Oliver and Craig with the lasagna. <laughs> and how Oliver keeps shoving the fork into his face, especially that last bit where he thinks he's going to get the, uh, the bit of water. And then it's just, nope, another monkey hand with the fork <laughs> in his face again. So great. And Craig's just uh, facial expressions and everything. His reaction is just, it, it's so great. There's a lot of visual moments in here, like I, I kept mentioning. So I hope I didn't spoil any of your guys' awards. But uh, yeah, this this episode is really great for the visual moments. So I, I really could have chose any of those interactions. But that's the one that uh, tickled me the most, I think. Yeah, yeah, fair. Almost all of mine are uh, involve Oliver. Uh, what what are you giving your award to, David? Uh, also an Oliver moment, but it is uh, when he and Hal are exchanging fire uh, when he's throwing cups and plates at, at Hal and Craig, and Hal has opened up the little tchotchke stand and is throwing the 
the collectibles <laughs> all over. And I believe he picks up what appears to be a ship from Battlestar Galactica, but I couldn't tell very well. Uh, and like approaches the cupboard and then the, the throwing of the flower. It's just, it's so perfect. And it's just this funny little exchange between this monkey and Hal. It was great. Yep, that that is fair enough. Uh, the two of you have taken my first two choices, but that's okay, because I've got a third moment involving Oliver, and it's the scene <laughs> where Craig is trying to convince Lois that Oliver is trying to kill him, and Oliver just, like, slowly peeks his head out of the cupboard behind her shoulder and is just, like, pointedly staring at Craig the entire time. Yeah. And he's doing the little monkey snarl. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Moving on to our next award, what did you have for your hot dog with mustard on it? Your award for the best line. I We covered it a little bit, but I actually gave it to Lavernia's delivery of, uh, it's the only way we're going to wean ourselves from our unhealthy dependence on foreign oil. I thought, yeah, that was the, the perfect way to, to sign off for that character. It was like it tracked with everything that she had, you know, said and done before. Okay, fair enough. It fair. was a solid line. And a, a solid exit for the character. That's right. Uh, what did you have, David? Well, since you didn't take it, I had a couple just in case I felt like mine. But I think the primary one is going to be, and, and just because of my time in college, but uh, when, when Craig asked Lois specifically if she went to the right place for the, the mayonnaise packets... <laughs> Dude, the people who I was roommates with in college, doesn't matter what we would get. We'd have to go through, if they were open, Chick-fil-A, and if not them, then Dairy Queen for their fry sauce and their, their freaking sauce. Mm -hmm. And we would literally get just sauce packets from these restaurants, even though we went to, like, Taco Bell or Wendy's. or So anytime we would go eat food, we would have to go go to anywhere from two to three restaurants man it was ridiculous it drove me up a freaking wall and yes i saw that face jake his girlfriend now wife would dip bean burritos in fry sauce Ooh. no it monster this weird person. as shit <laughs> right no, I, I just can't believe that the restaurants would actually just give you sauce packets without actually ordering anything from their menu so some of them do, some of them don't. Some of them you have to pay. Okay. And you can pay for just the sauce packets. Some of them you could just get the... But it's a college town. So, like, most of the places, if it wasn't, like, built into the register and you'd ask for sauce packages, it was, you know, college kids working the window who would just be like, sure, here you mm -hmm. go. And you'd get, like, five sauces just thrown at you. Yeah. Other places, like, I think, not Chick-fil-A, but I think Dairy Queen is the big one. Dairy Queen, and then uh, they were also obsessed with McDonald's honey mustard, which is mm -hmm. why I still love McDonald's honey mustard to this day. Th you would have to pay for those two, um, unless you got like super lucky and the person working the drive-through like just didn't give a shit. But yeah, yeah. in high school I used to do that like at Dairy Queen, but it was a very small town and like it was all you know kids in the high school that that worked right. at the Dairy Queen, so it was always not not a, not a big deal. <laughs> That's fair. But yes, I 100% have been to a Dairy Queen just for the fry sauce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Many, many times. And then, oh, mm, the worst one was, okay, so there's a place down there. I can't remember the name of it. it. I can see the logo and everything, but it's a custard shop. And the way Jonesboro is laid out, like, so you got, like, Blue Coast Burrito across the, the road. You got Dairy Queen, and then right next to it is this custard place that does, like, frozen yogurt and custard, and that's it. And so oftentimes 
we would go to Dairy Queen to get the fucking fry sauce and be in line there. And then as we're leaving Dairy Queen, she'd be like, you know, I want ice cream. We were just a Dairy Queen. Yeah, but I want custard. Yeah. So we'd have to go next door <laughs> to another fucking drive through <laughs> She sounds like the worst. <laughs> yeah. No, she's actually, she's a super great person, but like. Just picky eater, man. Picky, picky, picky eater. Mm. I, I don't care uh. how good of a person you are. You, you, you dip a fucking bean burrito in fry sauce. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's where Jake draws the line. I, yeah. I agree with you, but it actually tastes pretty good. Mm. Mm. I, I No, I hate to admit it. Now, it has to be the I'll, one that's like... I'll try it. It has... Okay. <laughs> but she would just get the bean burrito with no red sauce. The red sauce makes it taste awful. A bean and onion burrito is basically what she would get, and you dip it in the fry sauce. It sounds awful, I know. It tastes decent. I'll report back. <laughs> okay, it's not great, don't get me wrong, but it's decent. Mm. You know what I mean? So, I can't wait for you to try this now. Nope. I can't believe I've never told you this then story. With the side then of then a, candle. A, a candle. i try <laughs> fry sauce as well. That's right. <laughs> It'll be part of Extra Life. Uh, 40 oh. tacos, a candle, and fry sauce. <laughs> Dude, please don't kill yourself. I, I cannot make it through 24 hours alone. Also, if I have to stop the stream to take you to the hospital, I'm going to be real mad. It's non-toxic. I looked it up. That doesn't mean... Uh, Jake, that doesn't mean you can eat it. Mm, it kind of does. Yeah, I no, no, Kyle can drive no. him. You can stay on stream. That's, Kyle can take him. That's not how non-toxic works. Oh my god. Oh my god. You're not eating a fucking candle. Oh, I'm eating a candle, David. <laughs> the amount of stress that you're causing me. <laughs> I hate you. You're gonna destroy my plumbing, if nothing else. That's possible. 40 uh, tacos and a candle? That's the slogan. <laughs> It's not a slogan. No one said it ever. Hashtag tummy it's just talk. you. Hashtag no more stomach. Also, what are you gonna eat around the wick? Like, what are you doing? No, that's the fiber. You gotta have the wick. Like, yeah. no, no, you don't. So I'm not gonna eat the whole candle. Just one uh, big bite, like Dewey. Uh, uh, uh. He's he's audience. His head is in his hands, and he's rocking back and forth. We have broken, David. <laughs> I can he, feel my blood pressure. He's a broken rising. man. I. It was a funny joke when it was a joke, but I know you, and I know the dumb shit you'll do for charity. At some point, we have to be told stop. Okay, and I feel like it is not as we're getting ready to pull the trigger on the gun. Okay. <laughs> Don't order a candle just to take a bite out of it, you piece of shit. Mm, we'll see. I don't like that face. That looks like you've already done it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Look, I'm sure there's, the, there's like the soy candles, you know, that's mostly food-based anyway. If you get a soy-based candle, then you could try, you could probably take a few bites of that and just be perfectly fine. I mean... You think he did that? Come on. This is Jake. He probably bought a fucking Walmart candle that just said non-toxic. No. That doesn't... No. No, I, I specifically made sure it was uh, one of them that was considered non-toxic. It's uh, yeah, which yeah. are the ones made out of beeswax. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
beeswax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least, at least he didn't go to like Dollar General and get one of like the 99 cent candles, the, the ones that don't even burn. <laughs> you know, it's like it's because it's not even a thing. I, I did. I did research before I bought one. Okay. I just, I look, there's only so far you go for a joke, Jake. Mm, there's only so far you go for a joke. Yeah. Jake is yet to find that line. <laughs> okay. Look, the, uh, all I'm saying is you might have to eat it on the road, like outside the house. We'll see. He's not covered under my home insurance uh, <laughs> insurance if he goes out there. <laughs> I thought you were inferring that you were just going to like preemptively take him to like the emergency room or something. To, yeah. So it's like you're going to have to eat no. it on the way to the hospital. But no. No, because then the problem is if he is fine, then it's a wasted trip and mm-hmm. lots of extra money mm-hmm. and. I've already paid like three grand for this dude to ride in an ambulance once before. It's a whole long story. Um, yeah, no. Well, if it didn't happen after how how many peeps was it? Was it forty peeps? No, it was hundred. Hundred peeps. Oh, yeah. hundred peeps. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, Jake looks so miserable. <laughs> it wasn't great. You at least you at least have to get through the game show and all the like guests and stuff with me before you eat that shit. Sure. You piece of shit. <laughs> well, I'm going to struggle this year. I can't really have a whole lot of caffeine. I can maybe have like a coffee to get through 24 hours. Uh, I'll be fine. I'm not worried about it. I hate you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, so so my best line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, which I, I actually uh, mentioned in the uh, outline was uh, from Reese and the cop. And it's when the cop asked, <laughs> did you ever participate in one of our ride along programs? <laughs> sort of <laughs> it is great it's an answer like half of our family can give true okay moving on to our next award who did you have as your favorite character craig feldspar far and away yep same okay that's fair and that's reasonable it's not who He's i gonna chose. say oliver of course i chose <laughs> oliver <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Well, uh, I I uh, I was gonna say Oliver, but then I knew you were gonna pick Oliver, and I was like, Nah, I'll agree. I'll agree with Eric if anyone. <laughs> uh, look, I, I I side with Monkey over Man. That's what it comes down I know. to. And what did you have for your OK Boomer Award? Your award that sets the episode firmly within its time of release. So I have a broad stroke one, and I have a very very specific one. So I don't know. You guys like to go with the super specific, so I guess I will go with that. Uh, in the scene where Oliver is preparing Craig's milkshake, there is a small little decorative thing that says, like, uh, Corona Lily in the back. And I just remember, I know, like, Corona stands for crown, but remember when you can say Corona or have something related to Corona and not have it refer to the virus and... Uh, <laughs> not be like triggered for a, an entire generation so that I, that stood out to me <laughs> I thought for sure he was going to say there was a Kellogg's box and I was going to just leave I was going to get up and leave I thought the same thing and I was so hoping that that's what it was it would have been fair Like to, I did look speci- I did freeze frame it when uh, Lois is carrying the, the grocery bags in to see like 
if I can make out what the what the cereal boxes were and to, to try to infer like if those were special to that uh, like time frame or not. I think one of them was like sugar smacks or something. I don't know what the other one was, but no, I went with the I went with what I went with. Oh, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> we we might have literally killed David. I would have left. I'd have left straight up. I'd have gotten up. I'd have left. <laughs> okay. Well, what did you have for your OK Boomer Award, David? Uh, I had a printed newspaper with local news stories in it that Hal is reading and cutting pieces out, uh, to reading to the boys. Yeah, that was because that, that was my happen. broad strokes one. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay, I went a different direction. Mine is having exotic animals and not expecting them to be violent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because the year after this came out is when the Siegfried and Roy incident happened, when one of them got mauled by one of their tigers, which, which for at least for me is sort of the moment where it seemed like the culture sort of shifted and people went, oh, right, these giant anim wild animals can kill people. Uh, and then, you know, more specific to the Craig situation, I also thought of the 2012 incident with the chimp that uh, ate that guy's face off. <laughs> You know, like in that movie, Face Off. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly. what happened. Yeah. I, I feel like now, between that stuff and, like, Tiger King, you know, you, you see someone with an exotic animal, you kind of expect uh, horrific violence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moving on to our next award. Who did you give your Cloris Leachman Award? Your award for the best acting. David Anthony Higgins portraying Craig. Uh, like, his reactions around the monkey, uh, they're just completely brilliant and uh, uh, he initially takes advantage of the situation and then he becomes the victim and it's just phenomenal to to see that ever that that evolution pun very much intended every step of the way so yeah i, I really enjoyed that yeah i uh i also gave it to david anthony higgins um for quote monkeying around <laughs> uh and his unicorn antics waka waka yeah, That's you, right. you you have to choose him for this episode, right? Yeah. That's the only option. Uh, his expressions and his physical comedy are just so good through the entire episode. Right. Plus, watching him actually like flip the phone up and dial nine one one with the with the little stick he has attached to his forehead. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so, what I almost went with with the visual moment, and, and Jake, you alluded to it, it actually within that same that same scene where Oliver peeks his head out and just he's hysterically laughing, trying to throw Oliver off the scent. Like, no, we weren't talking about, you know, I'm not on to your plans. Like, and he uh, says, oh, Lois, you tell the most amusing stories. And just how, just that look of pained desperation in, in his face, but he's trying to look joyous. It's, oh man, it's just so great. Fantastic. And based on the results of uh, all our other awards, I'm going to guess that we're on the same page with the A plot of your heart and assume that we all gave it to the C plot. For sure, yes. Craig yep. versus Oliver, yep. of course. 100%. That just leaves our shittiest and least shitty kid awards. Who did you choose as your shittiest kid? Uh, regrettably, Reese, because, I mean, who wants to be a cop? Like... <laughs> No, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, but he, yeah, he did certainly. Uh, he, he uh, <laughs> David's walking away. 
No, I'm just, I'm purely teasing for uh, like obvious reasons. No, he he abused the shit out of power like immediately. So yeah, he's he's definitely got to be shittiest. David. Well, <laughs> gotta change my answer real quick. Uh, let's see. Let's let's delete this here real quick. We're talking about shittiest kid here, right? Yeah, yeah, shittiest kid. Okay, okay. Um, Known contrarian, Dave. Not not contrarian. Just look. I can't make an argument that's close to what you said and have it tied anywhere close to your opening line. All right. I I clearly and always and emphatically chose francis uh i never originally chose reese and then i'm changing it to spite eric i would never do that and the whole reason that i'm choosing francis actually is ironic because he abandoned eric and that's a shitty shitty thing and uh what a piece of shit yeah yeah no you know that's that's fair i considered francis for that exact reason but of course i'm you know sticking to my guns and Going with my original choice, which is obviously Reese for becoming the fascist secret police of his neighborhood. I had him written down as the Gestapo <laughs> in my notes, but I can't. I can't. It, it was clearly Francis. Yeah, but Francis, it was clearly Francis the whole time. For clearly the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like going first, uh, and I hope that trend continues because uh, with my next answer for Lee Shitty, uh, I hope hopefully David's going to have to change his vote and get off of that narrative because. Yeah, it was Dewey in this one because he was just a scared little vulnerable kid in this episode. He didn't do anything wrong. He just was looking to, you know, his uh, older brother for uh, for support. So, David, go ahead and change your answer and get off that Dewey is a perfect angel narrative. Don't have to change. Dewey was not my answer for this episode. Yeah, who did you have then, David? Reese. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I considered changing it to Reese just to argue and have fun, but no. Uh, the reality is, is I, I actually uh, legitimately chose Malcolm. That floors <laughs> me. That floors me because he was so hesitant to uh, help Dewey. Well, yeah, but look, I've been that exhausted and I get it. And I understand the annoyance there. But the reality is, and the fact of the matter is, he did. He did stay up for 96 hours and put himself in that sort of... Like, this is, we're talking about a character who is normally so selfish, he can't even see the world around him, but he is staying up for 96 hours to make his little brother feel safe. Like, that is an act of sacrifice, and yeah, he's a little shitty about it, he's a little mouthy about it, but it is way outside of his character thus far, so I want to commend that. Is Dewey a perfect angel? Yes. But... Malcolm actively goes beyond and outside of his character for this episode, and I wanted to reward that. Bravo. Yeah, no, I actually agree with David. I also chose Malcolm for those exact reasons. He's a he, he's a good brother this episode, and he he's there for Dewey. And uh, also, as we all know, uh, Aristotle said that a uh, cowardice was was a uh, moral failing, and Dewey's a coward this episode, so couldn't be him. <laughs> Jake. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that wraps up our awards, but we have a couple segments left, beginning with the Cranston Connection, which I have an answer for this week. Well, this episode, and specifically the end of this episode, with 
Hal having to fight this animal, Oliver is preparing him for events he will face later on in his life when he goes by the name Dr. Joe Brody, when he will once again have to fight for his life against animals, <laughs> albeit much larger animals, in the 2014 film Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, his, his fight against this hyper-intelligent monkey was sort of the, the start uh, of his journey of fighting these somewhat paranormal, monstrous animals. Although... It wouldn't do him any good, as he had to fake his own death in order to escape uh, that situation. Well, yeah, I mean, it was time to settle down and have a family, and we all know where that went. <laughs> yeah. Meth. Maybe. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of the, the, the timeline there. I think that movie may have came out during. It was either during or after. It was after. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was after he faked but his I... death in that show. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I See, I was... Mm. Are you sure? Yeah. Maybe that's just uh he's had to fake his own okay. death a lot. <laughs> oh, as one does. That's true. That's he's yeah. very good at it. Yeah, that's that that's his real solution to every problem. Fake his own death, go start a new life. That's right. <laughs> Something that he learned from some guy named Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know. That's how he got out of being a dentist. Clearly. Well that that just leaves our last segment, David's guessing game. Which this week was a little bit of an interesting situation because you, you, you managed to like nail some like very specific details mm -hmm. while also being wrong about the general plot. Right. Uh, but because you thought that it would be the boys would somehow end up with a monkey. Uh, you speculated it might be like a neighbor's pet or something along those lines and that they would like initially be really into it. Uh, until the monkey started acting like a monkey. That's where you specifically said throwing dishes. Yeah. But you you also correctly guessed that it would be a capuchin monkey, uh, which was you know, obviously the case. Uh, so with all of this factored in, I gave you a 69%. So while you nice. didn't get like the main plot, you did get quite a few details along the way. Okay. And while next week we will be doing our season two wrap up uh, with the next episode of Malcolm in the Middle, which Eric will also be joining us for Yay. as we head into uh, season four is Zoo. So what do you think happens in Zoo, David? I think that the boys go to the zoo, probably on a family trip. Um, we haven't had a family vacation in a little bit, like a real one. Uh, we do tend to see those near near the start or end of of a season. I think that Reese is gonna piss off animals or like like if this was like post Harambe, I would say that Reese climbs into one of the enclosures. I don't know that it's gonna go that far, but like I could see him taunting like all the animals and then finally getting a rise out of something, maybe like a gorilla. That would be pretty cool, but I don't know if it'll quite go that far. I don't know what the budget for this show is at this point, but because like if they could get a trained gorilla, that would be cool as shit. But yeah, I think I think uh, you're going to see Reese and the boys in general just kind of being wild and crazy and running around the zoo. And I think Reese is going to manage to piss off some of the animals. I'm banking on either a gorilla or I'm going to throw it in there a hippo just because those are just the two animals I've actually seen get pissed off at the zoo. 
trying to think of if I can figure out anything for Hal and Lois. I think they're going to be at the zoo. I think this is a family thing. Oh. I, I don't have a fucking guess with them at all. <laughs> Nothing, huh? I'm trying to think. Oh, it's so hard to, to stay mom. My God. <laughs> There's so many things I want maybe, to say. Oh, oh, shit. Maybe, okay, maybe Hal, no. Because, like, I could see, like, something happening and Hal getting stuck at, like, a, a concession stand, like, the whole time and just missing the whole zoo. The boys are acting up. Reese is pissing off animals. And then by the time the episode ends, Hal's finally got, like, drinks and concessions and shit and is going to go meet up with them and then misses completely out on the zoo experience. Because Lois is like, no, we're fucking leaving. These guys are monsters. Just because I've had that very similar experience myself. But I don't think that's going to happen in the show. Um, <laughs> maybe something close to that. That was but... a very detailed guess. <laughs> then go. Yeah. But that's not going to happen, though. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Look, as I'm walking through it and talking about it, I'm rationalizing and I'm trying to... De- determine whether or not i want to bank on it fair enough what i'm willing to nail down is there's gonna be some sort of conflict with hal but i don't know if it's like he misses the zoo or if like he gets into an argument with a zookeeper maybe he thinks he knows more about an animal than they do or like maybe some something like that or he's like i don't know maybe he's the dude who's just really insistent on seeing the penguins and the penguin like exhibit isn't open i don't know there's a lot of stereotypical crap to do with a zoo. But yeah, I'm going to say that there's some sort of turmoil surrounding Hal. And that's as far as I'll go, because I can't, I can't narrow it down. I don't have enough evidence. Okay, well, that wraps this episode up. Eric, why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find your show again? Thank you. A file under entertainment podcast with Dylan and Eric. Our second season is focusing on music from an alphabetical approach. Uh, We're also doing music interviews with musicians, so anyone interested can reach out to us at uh, fileunderpod at gmail.com to try to schedule something for the upcoming future. And we're also going to be doing movie-related stuff here and there, too. So check us out. You hopefully won't be disappointed. If you laugh at me at all here, you'll probably laugh there. Absolutely. Uh, And if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email, where we are lifeisunfairpod at gmail.com, or on Twitter, where we are unfair underscore podcast, which is also where we put up our weekly shittiest and least shitty kid polls. And if you enjoy the banter back and forth and want to join us live, head on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray, where we play video games, talk to chat, and in general have a good time. And make sure to join us November 6th, where we will be doing a 24-hour live stream event to benefit the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals, where we'll be raising money for the kids and just in general doing crazy, wacky, fun things. It is a ton of fun. You do not want to like miss it. Like eating candles. <laughs> That's not happening. You beat me to it, Eric. <laughs> it might happen. I don't know, but I'm going to try to make it not. But we did taser Jake once. So, I mean, stuff happens. Thank you for listening. And as always, remember, life is unfair. Jake's dying over here, guys. Sorry, my my dog just ripped ass, and it's (laughs) awful. That's that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh.